2: Hello, my friend, and how are you? It is such a pleasure to be back with you. I hope you were feeling well. This is catch up with Louise McSharry. The point of this podcast is to catch you up on the week, and it happens in three sections. First section is a news catch up. So if you haven't been paying attention, no worries. We will get you up to date so that you can join in any newsy conversations with your pals. And then the second section is a little interview with someone who's doing something interesting at the moment. This week it is Scotty, um, artist and brilliant fella all round and then in the third section you'll hear us chat popular culture yes that's right what have the celebs been up to we've got a lot to talk about this week lots of fun stuff actually and because Fortunately, Esther Moore Donahue is our pop culture contributor this week, and she is a long-term housewife stan. We were able to really get into what happened on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City as well. So there is loads of fun stuff in this episode. If you're new, welcome. Thank you so much for trying the podcast. I really hope you like it. If you're coming back, hello, my friend. It is just so nice to be with you once again. Hope you all had a nice break. Um, I'm just wrecked, lads. I'm really- I'm wrecked. I was like, what oh, this is a lot, isn't it? Um I think it's especially a lot if you have small children. Um and then also I know that lots of people struggle with Christmas just for family reasons or whatever. Um so if it wasn't fun, don't worry about it. It's over now. If it was fun, Lucky you. And I'm sorry. I hope the transition back to normal life is okay. I am really excited just to get stuck back into work and get things going, get a bit of a routine going again. Um, I kind of miss that. Uh, I have come up with all kinds of ideas of how I'm going to be more efficient this year. Um, How long will they last? Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) But I'm scheduling in a call with my doctor about my ADHD to try some medication again because I need some help. And I'm also trying to set up some structures and routines within my life to help me feel a little bit more on top of things. So, look, we can all improve. and, And that's what your girl is trying to do. Now, though, If you could do me one favor, um, if you like this podcast, I would so appreciate it if you could rate it and review it. I haven't asked you to do that for a while. I always forget. I'm absolutely terrible at this stuff, Um, but it would really mean a lot to me and it really helps the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on Spotify. I actually don't know how you do it on Spotify. I think I've given things stars before, but I don't think I've done much more than that. I'll do some investigating because really I should have known the details before I asked you to do that. But if you can figure it out, that would be much, much appreciated. And of course, do please send me your thoughts, your feedback, your ideas. If there's anything you'd like to hear me talk about, if there's anything you think that we should have covered that we didn't cover, if there's something that you particularly loved, if something that you heard on the podcast sprouted a thought, send me a voice note or a text 0892096423. That's 0892096423. And then I do a mailbag episode every month on the Patreon where I respond to all of those if you want to join in, patreon.com forward slash catch up with Louise MacSharry. It's another great way to support the podcast. I did get some messages from people who were trying to join up over the course of the last month. I had the Patreon paused for the month of December because I wasn't able to produce the extra episodes and I didn't want to charge people for episodes that they weren't getting. Um, And what I did not know is that that meant that I couldn't also take on new Patreons, which is not ideal for me. But hey ho, (laughs) we live and we learn. It is back up and running now. So if you've been trying... To join and you haven't been able to, you should be able to now. So now, sorry about all of that. That's a lot of admin up at the front of the podcast. Let's get stuck in. Let's find out what's been going on in the news with the Journal.ie's Carl Kinsella. Carl Kinsella, how was is your break? Are you still on a break?
1: I'm still pretty much on a break. Yeah, I'm kind of back to doing a few shifts for the Journal. Okay, um, but still on a break from college, at least. So
2: okay, well, yeah, that's still kind of a break. Yeah, definitely. I have found the re-entry into real life to be gradual because they helpfully scheduled the school holidays this year, um, so that for the full first week back at work, children are still off school.
1: Oh, that's is that good? Is that bad? I, I like as a non-parent, I don't really know, you know, whether these things are <laughs> you know preferable or if it's they're pretty- difficult
2: it's pretty bad i'd pretty say dope, yeah. um pretty pretty bad because it means that sam is in the sitting room now on an ipad and i'm in here doing my work and i uh, have to feel guilty about it now um, oh, I get you. yeah yeah and unfortunately my child is old enough to like actually entertain himself but back in the days it wasn't always like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. but look we move it's grand isn't it nice for them to have the break um did you enjoy the break
1: yeah, it was just kind of hectic. I feel like I actually ended up having a lot more social plans than I intended. I feel like usually I'm someone who I have quite a low threshold. I have like a low social battery, you know. Like mm. I'll do one thing and that'll kind of tide me over for a week. Mm. Whereas this time I just I did a lot of stuff. I will say I met a lot of people who were very complimentary about the podcast. So that's good news.
2: Oh well that is good news, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's lots good of to hear. Were,
1: we're really feeling it and they were like, I mean, they were long term fans as well, but like They were, you know, they were happy for me that I'm part of it, which was cute.
2: Oh, that's so lovely. I'm very touched. Okay, well, I suppose let's give the people what they want and get into the news. (laughs) Um, We, unfortunately, are still starting with the conflict between Israel and Palestine. That actually feels like a misnomer. We are still starting with Israel's continued assault on Palestine. Um, What is the latest?
1: Yeah, I think what's almost most interesting right now is that it has kind of gone beyond just Israel and Palestine. Um, Mm. This week, I think the most significant development, or at least sort of the most significant military development, you would say, is that there was a drone strike that killed a Hamas leader, but he was based in Beirut, which is in Lebanon. Mm. So obviously, Israel has already had tensions with, you know, Lebanon, Syria, some of the surrounding Middle Eastern countries. But I think this is being perceived as like a pretty significant escalation. It's also, you know, as someone pointed out, it kind of, it really gives the lie to... Uh, Israel's operations in Palestine, because they were able to kill this Hamas leader very effectively, very directly. You know, which begs the question: Why have twenty-five thousand civilians had to die in the supposed pursuit of Hamas leaders in, you know, Khan Yunis and in northern Gaza? So, I think it's it's you know been another week in which Israel's reputation internationally has suffered, you know, significantly as a result of their actions. And it does. I do get the feeling that even. The more kind of moderate voices or, like, people who would have been very blasé about Israel and their campaign up till now are starting to turn. It really does feel like a, a turning point.
2: I, I just feel so discouraged about it all. It's, like, hard to feel like there's a turning point. And also, yeah. I think you said a few, a few weeks ago on this podcast, like... Even if there's a turning point now, so much has been lost that you kind of are like, not what's the point? Because obviously the point is that the people of Palestine get to have their their country, but it is just heartbreaking to think that it's even gotten to this point in the first place.
1: That's it. There's no there's no real way I think to to talk about it or think about it that doesn't leave you like completely despondent. Mm. Um, I suppose the most significant non-military development this week is that. Uh, South Africa has taken a case against uh, Israel um, mm. before the International Court of Justice, uh, which is, you know, that's an it's an interesting development. It's hard to see, you know, how that could actually result in anything concrete. Like there have been, yeah, concrete- for people
2: who don't kind of understand what that means, maybe just explain a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: so essentially, you know, the International Court of Justice is a route by which countries can. Uh, address these things and there have been successful prosecutions there's been prosecutions of like leaders of the former Yugoslav Republic like uh like I, I can't remember their names but uh you know that's okay uh, <laughs> yeah uh like they have faced justice there and it, it can obviously work but it, it involves a total unification of the international community in terms of bringing people to justice. And, you know, this is really, this is a case it's, it's, it's been taken by South Africa. It's been supported by Turkey. Otherwise there's, there's very little support for it. And of course, without the support of say somewhere like the United States, you're not going to have a situation where Benjamin Netanyahu is sitting in a dock facing charges, you know? Um, And this is
2: the continued issue, isn't it though? That every time anything like this is, is instigated by a country at the UN or even the EU, you know, in the UN, it's just consistently vetoed by America and the vote is usually abstained when it comes to the UK. So like when you have a country that's as powerful as America, continuing to stop any kind of attempt at intervention by the international community, you're kind of screwed, aren't you?
1: Yeah, it, it really, it, it leaves you just with so few options. And I saw a report this morning, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State in the US, he's heading back to the Middle East, you know, in order to supposedly talk them out of escalation in lebanon and other kind of surrounding middle eastern countries and it's again it just it reads as so ludicrous because you're like you are the ones giving financial and military cover to all of this if you don't want an escalation in lebanon you can pull the plug right now so it just uh it's it is frustrating to watch and yeah it, it doesn't inspire much hope
2: No, and just to say that the people who are in Gaza are still suffering immensely, you know, hospital situations are basically down to almost nothing at this stage. Food is still not getting in. I think that's another part of the frustration is that people around the world are donating in their droves, but the aid is not actually getting into the people that need it. So you've got trucks and trucks and trucks and trucks and trucks full of supplies and food and all the rest and it never getting into gaza or into the people who are are you know starving
1: yeah and that's i think it was 50 percent of people in 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 gaza are starving right now and it is just it's you know it's it's a huge sense of powerless, powerlessness i think for people say in ireland just watching it unfold because i think it's it's undeniable that there's broad popular support in ireland for you know not only ending the conflict, but also just a free Palestine. Yeah. Um, but I think people just feel like, what can they do? And I suppose for the time being, what people can continue to do is just continue to talk about it. Like this is this is kind of what I've seen from, uh, I know uh, there was an interview in The Guardian with a Palestinian writer and she was making the point that, you know, as, as sad as it might be, keeping the narrative alive on Instagram is actually important. You know, I think it feels so cheap and it feels like you could do so much more. But in actual Mm. fact, this sort of, because Israel operates so heavily in the PR space and in the soft power space that actually combating it on social media is quite a significant pushback against what Israel is going for. Yeah. Um, So...
2: Yeah, I mean, also you can protest. Uh, The next big protest in Ireland is on Saturday, the 13th of January at the Garden of Remembrance at one o'clock. Usually people kind of start gathering from about one o'clock. I find it usually takes off kind of closer to two o'clock. And you can also, you can boycott, there are lists of brands you can boycott who are seen to be kind of supportive of Israel. You can continue, as Carl said, to talk about it. I think the most important thing is that we all, just keep going because that's what they're asking us to do, even though it feels futile at times. Um, Okay, let's move on. There was an earthquake in Japan.
1: Yeah, there was a couple of separate disasters, separate and I think unrelated uh, disasters in Japan, but we'll start with the the earthquake. So there was one very severe earthquake. It was one of a series of about 400 earthquakes on the main island of Honshu. So that's where Tokyo is. Mm. Um, And yeah, there was a 7.5 magnitude on the Richter scale. This was on New Year's Day. And uh, the awful thing about Japan or the kind of unfortunate thing about Japan is that because it's just a bunch of islands, is that when you have these severe earthquakes, which they are really susceptible to, you also get massive tsunamis so yeah. um, you get huge damage done. So, I mean, they've had much worse earthquakes. This earthquake, I think the death toll most recently is, is sadly at 73 people, which is, which is terrible. Uh, it's expected to rise. A lot of people displaced, a lot of people injured. And yeah, that's... And so... After that, there was also a plane crash at a a Japanese airport where uh, a commercial liner crashed with a coast guard plane. Um, I think everybody on board the coast guard plane was killed. So you know, a a very strange, uh, a strange and sad couple of days for Japan.
2: Yeah, and it was kind of wild to watch because obviously we, you know, can see these things play out on social media now. It was wild to watch people in Japan post videos of them getting the tsunami alerts through their phones and stuff and experiencing the earthquake. It is. A very confronting way to see natural disasters now that we have access to people's lives all around the world.
1: Yeah. And particularly, I think it's it's almost it's easiest to do with Japan because they have such an efficient warning system like they are always they're never kind of left in the lurch. They always do get the warning. Um, mm. But it it is uh, it is, like you say, very confronting. And I have noted that in the reporting on this, they've said that the earthquakes and the, the tsunamis in the last five years have intensified quite a lot, mm. which I suppose could be to do like, you know, waves are going to be higher if there's rising sea levels. I'm sure there's a, a climate change component to Uh, the acceleration of these disasters so yeah i think as you say it is it's quite disturbing to to be watching from afar while this uh while this happens and you know ultimately continues to happen so uh, you know of course a couple of years ago we had the the absolutely nightmare tsunami that hit the fukushima nuclear plant i think about eighteen thousand people were killed in that occasion so it it is tough you know i you'd feel at pretty great risk if you were living you know in honshu japan
2: Yeah, totally. On to a bit of good news, the Statutory Agency for Domestic Violence has started. Um, This is a project by Justice Minister Helen McEntee.
1: Yeah, so this is a a statutory agency. So I suppose, you know, if that sounds like a bit uh, nebulous, that's something like TUSLA, you know, an equivalent of Mm -hmm. TUSLA almost. But it's for domestic, sexual and gender-based violence. Um, So this was kind of part of uh, an act that came uh, into effect at the start of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And so this this department is called CUN, uh, C-U-A-N, um, which is the Irish word for a safe haven or a place of shelter. Um, and the main function of this body will be to sort of make sure that anyone suffering for domestic or gender based violence has access to the sort of the relevant, helpful agencies, uh, mm-hmm. service providers and such. So it's, um, you know, it's one of those things, as you say, it's good news. It is and it's also like it is a it's a Ireland making a step in the right direction in terms of addressing gender-based violence it still leaves you know you a little bit cold because you know I saw a quote from uh, a guard saying that like reporting has gone up of of gender-based violence and that's good more people are reporting it so more people are getting solutions Mm -hmm. but it is kind of awful that it persists, you know, you know, you just kind of it would be nice if there was some if you got the sense that there was some preventative measures in place, you yeah. know, better kind of education for, you know, certainly for young men Um so, but this is obviously good news, but I know this is just always what occurs to me when I see stories like this is that, you know, you'd like uh, some focus on prevention as well as response, you know?
2: When you were in school, did you get any education on consent or relationship no. dynamics or anything like we, that?
1: I, we briefly had, like, we had SPAG, which I think they still have, but um, it was pretty much, it was very empty. Like, there was no critical engagement with any of those things I think you learn a basic bit about how sex works and Mm. that's kind of it there's certainly nothing about consent nothing about and I suppose like when I was in school this was kind of it was honestly even that was before consent became a hot button sort of topic Mm. but yeah certainly I received no uh, education in that in that vein.
2: Yeah. And look, I know that there's improvements being made in terms of the SPHE curriculum and stuff like that. So uh, fingers crossed, I guess that that will have some sort of impact, but I think you're right. I mean, look, it's great. It's good to know that the the government have implemented something that l- looks at the specific needs of people who experience domestic, sexual, gender-based violence in Ireland. Um, it's a, late in my opinion, um, but it is good that it's happened. Um, but it w- would be nice to see more kind of thinking, in terms of where this stuff comes from. I agree. Now, we have got two fun stories to talk about uh, toward the end of this slot, which I'm absolutely delighted about. And we're going to start with the darts.
1: The darts, baby.
2: Could I have predicted that I would be suggesting we talk about the darts on this show? Absolutely not. I would never have thought that this would happen. And yet here we are.
1: I would have thought you would have been a huge darts fan. Everything (laughs) about you screams darts.
2: Well, I do like the crock. And there is a lot of crock at the darts, you know.
1: I certainly, having watched it this past week, I would love to go. Like I would love to go to Ali Pali and just experience because the atmosphere just looks off the walls.
2: Yeah, I have a friend who's a big darts guy and he's not, you wouldn't expect him to be a big darts guy. Like he's a gay guy who loves like Tori Amos and um, mm. Diolipa and he loves the darts. Um, and it's always been funny to me that he loved the darts and he's gone like a few times um, and he just is like, it's just the best fun. And I can see having watched it how you could get into it. But let's talk about it because there'll be lots of people who probably don't know why we're talking about the darts and are su- as surprised as I was to, to see or hear that it's on the show. But it's all because of one young i mean are we calling him a man luke littler
1: yeah that's he's a kid you know it's so the just to give the full overview like the yeah. the pdc world darts championship always takes place in like the last couple of years or the last couple of weeks of the year it always ends around new year's day but so it's you know it's a huge christmas activity for people people get really into it over christmas i always get into it over christmas even though i'm not a darts person but this year was particularly phenomenal because this kid this 16 year old child luke littler uh, made it all the way to the final. He was totally unseated before it started. So like he wasn't a, by any means a favorite. He wasn't a phenomenon. People didn't know at all that he was going to be going on this crazy run. But he was just like on a tear he just destroyed everyone he walked out to green light by pitbull that was his, his opening music which is nice he's already done like photo shoot like there was such a good photo of him shared on uh on Twitter by his mother on Christmas morning like yeah sitting cr- cross-legged beneath the tree opening his presents because he is literally a kid um, now it
2: has to be said though he doesn't look like a kid like no. I first learned learned of him when my friend uh or actually I think it was Gordon sent a photo into a group chat and was like how old would you say this person is and like none of us would have guessed he was 16 so <clears throat> excuse me the innocence of that photo was almost more adorable because he doesn't yes. look like a kid but he is a kid
1: and that's yeah and he's like he just looks like the embodiment of darts you know you look at him and yeah. he just he's the most darts looking kid and it, it is just amazing <laughs> yes. um and it was another cool detail so last night he was in the final of the, the world darts championship unfortunately he lost um luke humphries uh, came out on top but i think a cool thing About this is that because they had a 16 year old in the final. The darts championship was sponsored by Paddy Power. Because the final featured a child so heavily. Paddy Power had to scale back their advertisement. Oh that is
2: interesting.
0: Isn't it yeah. Yeah.
1: So like because they can't have. Legally they can't have like a 16 year old. As sort of a mascot or a a brand ambassador. They've had Mm. to like scale it back. And they would have to scale it back even further had he won. Um, But it, it is really interesting. And they'll have to keep that scaled back until he turns 18. Um, yeah. at which point, presumably they will descend on him in a big way. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just an interesting it's another because people talk so much these days about the prevalence of gambling advertising in sports. Um, mm. It's interesting to see kind of anything that can make that shift.
2: Yeah, I think darts is I, I like. I did get into it. I I watched two full matches, which is more than I've ever watched in my life. Um, I watched the semi final and the final, and it is like you can you can understand it pretty quickly. Although I don't know how they do the maths to figure out what they should be going for. Like I would not. I guess that, that's just practice, but I I could never. So big respect to their minds, and um, but you can I, pretty I quickly get into it.
1: I think they can see I think that because I've played games of darts before where there's an electronic counter that shows you right away what you need so I, mm. I don't think they have to do the math in their head I think they. you got mean her. what
2: they need like in terms of w- which which Bits of the board they need to hit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like, you start off on five hundred one. You have to get down to zero. And like Mm. to say, you've got like eighty left, and you hit a double twenty, then you'd have forty left, and it would tell you that you need. You know, you'd have a little electric uh, electronic counter that will tell you that you need another double twenty. That kind of
2: like what comes up, kind of beside the score as you get toward the end of the game. If you're watching it on TV,
1: yeah, that's. So I'm just assuming they have. You can't see that on TV. I'm assuming they have that simply because even in some pubs I've played where they have that. Yeah. So. And I do okay. just think it w- There's no way. <laughs> there's no way anyone could do the mental arithmetic that I fast. I
2: mean, some people could. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed reading about Luke's um, preparation for his matches. Uh, when he was asked about his preparation for the final, he said, "I'll be doing what I've been doing. In the morning, I'll go for my ham and cheese omelet, and then come here, have a pizza, and then prep on the board. That's what I've done every day.
1: <laughs> that's. I mean, and that's good. Just that's advice for life. I think any of us could learn a lot yeah. from an
2: omelette a pizza what could yeah. go wrong i love it okay and then finally um ryan tuberty had his first show on virgin radio in london this week
1: yes i and i listened to every minute of it
2: you did um, and you wrote about it for the journal and i really enjoyed it uh, so tell us what was it like
1: yeah it was it was a hard lesson to be honest and <laughs> really? I, it, yeah i you know so the format is very different like I, and this was something that some friends had already told me uk radio is quite different to irish radio it's a lot more uh music based you have way less time to really get into any kind of discussion topics okay. and that really that really came across it was like mostly him reading well wisher texts and playing songs and it was kind of funny because it was like we're not really getting any sense of anything because he wasn't talking about anything he was just reading texts that were wishing him well so it was like a three-hour thing of him being wished well by like mostly textures from ireland but it's weird you could already get the sense that like it's going to be hard for him because it's being simulcast in the uk and ireland
3: he has Mm. to appeal
1: to both audiences at once um, mm. And it kind of left him in a weird position where he was just like, he would be talking about the Phoenix Park and then he would have to, he'd realize he'd have to explain that to people. And he was like, oh, it's like the Irish equivalent of Hyde Park, which mm. I mean, is kind of off as a, as a comparison, to be honest. Um, yeah. So like, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, mm-hmm. He also like had a whole, like a really long conversation with Russell Crowe over the phone. Um, that was really weird he like Russell Crowe is in the middle of hosting a dinner party but apparently Russell Crowe is friends with Tuberty so he kind yeah, of, yeah yeah because he
2: tweeted like when Virgin Radio signed him um, he was like yeah go Ryan or whatever something along yeah. those lines his support yeah, anyway me.
1: yeah um and yeah he jumped on to, and I you know I think we can all kind of figure out why that is like I think if you're Tuberty and you're on a new audience with all these English people it you adds a, big a lot. name of your, yeah, yeah it adds your credentials if you can be like look I'm mates with Russell Crowe um, yeah yeah. yeah. But it certainly I don't know. It was it was I mean, and like let's be honest, okay. I was never a fa- I was never a huge fan, you know, I've never been uh in awe of Ryan Toberty, so like maybe I'm not the best person to ask in terms of if I have a preconceived bias to against him or whatever. But no, mm-hmm. I definitely it was it just wasn't wasn't that good, you know, let's be honest. Well,
2: I think you know I think the important thing to remember is first of all, the first show of any run of any show is always tricky and there are lots of nerves. And a radio show, I can say from experience, takes a while to bed in. And, like, you know, he'll need to find his identity within this new show, within this new community within the new station and it's going to be tricky for him i think but but no matter what no matter how good he was that would take time and i think the point that you made about the format is really interesting yeah like monday to friday 10 to 1 p.m that's a music show Uh, and there'll be bits of chat in there, but it is very different to what he's done. And it is more kind of traditional radio presenting than like broadcasting per se, which is what we're used to from him. So yeah, a challenge for him for sure. Uh, But I wish him well.
1: I wish him well too, I do wish him well. I wish He's a nice guy, I've met him a bunch of times, he's always been really nice. Yeah, he is, he is.
2: But you know, I will never forget the day that I heard him um, say, they introduce people to the expression humble brag and say it was the new cool thing on, in the world. And it was uh, like about six years old. So he does have the ability to kind of put his foot in it and he does have the ability to pull out a few glangers. And um, I think as well, like, you know, Ryan obviously had a relationship with Irish listeners that was based on lots of people kind of watching him grow up through RTE. Mm. He was there since he was young and um, people who understood him and knew him really well. The audience is going to be very different I'd be interested to know even the demographic of the Virgin Radio audience Versus the demographic of the RT Radio 1 I'd say it's quite different
1: Me too and also just like how they respond to He had like the little bits where he did You know kind of leaned into his old personality And he talked about how much he loves books And called himself a political anorak And was talking about being a bookworm And I do wonder like how does the sort of Average London taxi cab driver Respond to that kind of thing Like are you just sort of like who is this man You know why is he Mm. talking about books on the radio in between, like you know, songs by U2 and Dua Lipa, um, mm. yeah. But I mean, we'll we'll see. Maybe he'll make a success of it. Who knows? Yeah,
2: yeah. And hopefully, hopefully. Um, okay, Carl Kinsler. I know that people can read your column, circling in the years, on the Journal.ie. You're doing lots of other bits and pieces for the Journal.ie at the moment as well. As I say, I really enjoyed your piece about Toberty's first show. And uh, where can they find you on the internet?
1: Yeah, on Twitter you can get me at tvs Carl Kinsler, and on Instagram you get me at Carl
2: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Carl.
1: Thanks, Louise. That was good, I thought.
2: Yeah, it was fun. Um, I hope you have a good week and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Scotty is a self-taught, multi-award winning artist and performer who has received critical acclaim and my personal acclaim for his work in theatre, audio and fine art. Personally, I have connected really deeply with his work around fatness, class, and Irish identity. He's the son of Irish immigrants to England, and you may have heard him previously on the podcast talking about his brilliant podcast, After the Tone. Today, he's with us to discuss his new podcast project, which is called Self Help, and features Scotty ruminating on madness, sanity, self-care, self-pity, and more. As he says, it's here to help you escape the cult of new year, new me. And personally, I always love a little escape from that. It is Always, always, always a pleasure to chat to Scotty, and this conversation was no exception. I really hope you enjoy.
3: How are you doing? Big question to start the new year with, please, Louise (laughs) McSharry. Fine enough, I think. I mean, great. I'm not going to lie. I'm having a bit of a lovely time. It's a bit stressful um, because there's a lot on, and what a great thing to feel slightly overwhelmed by. Um, Mm. But I don't do Christmas and I haven't done Christmas for six years. And every year I reap the rewards of that.
2: So tell me more about that.
3: So my, uh, I come from a culty family in Donegal and very Catholic, very traditional, that when you have like a big passing in the family, that the first Christmas afterwards, you don't celebrate. And Mm. um, my grandfather passed away six years ago. And so I just took the tradition where I was like, okay, we're just not going to do anything this year. It's going to be low key. Will just go away, and it really opened up my eyes to the amount of stress and pressure and money. And like, look, I'm no longer a Catholic. I don't sub- celebrate other Christian holidays, and so it sort of started to feel a bit like, well, why do why do we do this? Why can't we just take the moment to stop and rest rather than get ourselves really caught up in this idea that everything everything must cost something and I think it's very different if you have kids or a young family and that joy and that excitement that they experience is definitely something that I'm saying not not to do but when you're a bunch of adults living in a house with each other and your very privileged experience of like not needing anything of course Mm. wanting things but needing things is a very different question to ask yourself it just Mm. Feels like a really lovely time to sit and watch other people panic.
2: (laughs) You know, I have to say, post-Christmas, I fully appreciate that, (laughs) (laughs) even with the small children. Like, you do sometimes, I think, find yourself looking around going, like, what is the point? Like, I was so looking forward to, in the full lead-up, not to be a negative Nancy, but I was like, I'm just really looking forward to a break. And, like, it's not a break (laughs) for me. You know, and it's not a break for a lot of people. I think. I think for a lot of people, it's really stressful. You put yourself in family situations that you wouldn't put yourself in. Otherwise, you have to tolerate people that you wouldn't tolerate in other areas of your life necessarily. And I have to say, that's not that's not actually my experience of Christmas this year. But for me, it's just go 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 and and you know look it's nice to have a break from work because I experienced that kind of overwhelm that you were talking about at the start as well but like it's still just manic and I have watched with envy you going off on your travels over the last number of years and (laughs) um, always thought it seemed like such a lovely thing to do to take advantage of the quiet time and do something that you really want
3: to do. I think so much of that period of time can feel like convention and you're so right in terms of lots of people can have really difficult experiences with their families and being in contact with them, being judged by them, being policed by them can do a lot of damage to people. So Mm. I think if convention is the only thing holding us there, if you have beliefs that are making you want to celebrate that period of time, good on you, have a great time. But if it's just convention, if it's just like this is the done thing, then it's a hell of a lot cheaper and a lot better on the soul to maybe divorce yourself from it.
2: I love it. Um, well, as much as I love talking about uh, non-Christmas with you, that's not actually the purpose of our chat today. Um, people who've been listening to the podcast for a long time will have heard you on before um I I think, you know, a lot of people in Ireland are aware of your work. You've done such good stuff around body and around your Irishness and identity. And now you have a new podcast series out called Self-Help, which I was very amused to hear in terms of a title, because it's not something that I would necessarily have associated with you in terms of an industry. Um, So tell us a little bit about Self-Help, where it came from and what drove you to do it.
3: I mean, it is me kind of looking at self-help and wellness with a very critical eye. So I think you're not the only person that was like, hang on, are you a psychologist now? Is that the vibe that you're giving off? Um, Actually, far from it. It's armchair psychology from the experience of the patient. I have been someone that has spoken quite openly about my experience with madness and having had a very long relationship with psychosis and imagining things that just weren't in reality, but felt very real to me. And Mm. having spent five years in therapy, looking at myself, being very inward, I collected a lot of thoughts about self-care and self-pity and the act of therapy and who gets to decide your diagnosis and what that looks like and the environment and the cost of my medication on the world and so i just wanted to place all of these questions in this thinking somewhere whilst doing something that doctors are always trying to get me not to do, which is to listen to the voices in my head. (laughs) So so it's me wandering around rural Scotland in some of the worst weather that Argyle and Butte had ever experienced, and just thinking aloud on five different subjects, all relating to the brain and how we might question and think about this very common idea of mental health.
2: Mm. Yeah, I have to say, uh, I, I listened to the first episode because you can really hear torrential rain in the first episode and you refer to being absolutely drenched a couple of times. I did feel for you. <laughs> I was like, but I also found it kind of, there were a few things just in terms of your your physicality and your surroundings. And before we get into more of the content, I found it kind of, it made me want to go for a walk in the rain. The sound of the rain is just beautiful and soothing especially when you're not in it um but I kind of felt like do you know maybe if I had the right rain gear I would go out in the rain and have a big walk maybe that would be nice and I could kind of envisage your surroundings and I found that soothing and I was actually thinking if you were someone who didn't get to go outside much for whatever reason it would probably be a lovely listen.
3: I mean, I've had some really brilliant responses, but one that so touched me and has really stuck with me is somebody who experiences agoraphobia and they hadn't left the Mm. house for a few months. And they were like, within the first few minutes, I grabbed my coat and my keys and I left the house. And I was just like, it's so touching to think that like, and I kept on saying to them, like, this is not me that's done that, you know, this is just giving you the, the little kick up the bum to get out the house. But I, I'm really glad, like lots of people are telling me like, I just felt like walking. So I left the house and I put a coat on. And I'd say to you, Louise McSharry, like, what is the right rain gear? Like just a coat and just, I think sometimes in our heads, we can like build walking and movement up to having to be difficult and scary and the worst and painful. And actually what I found on those walks is I found myself, I walked 80 kilometers, I broke it up, I stopped for a cup of tea when I wanted I brought sandwiches with me I made it feel the way that I wanted that movement to feel
2: I love it and I as you were talking there I was thinking yeah the right gear. I'm always saying to my children we're waterproof like every time they complain about going outside I'm like don't worry about it it's we're waterproof like no worries so that's a good a good thing to keep in mind so another thing that I loved hearing in the recording is that while you're walking you're recording so you're talking and sometimes you're out of breath And I just found that to be so, like, I don't know. Inspiring is the wrong word, but, like, I think if you're in a bigger body you know you feel a bit embarrassed about that stuff the reality is anybody who's walking at any pace and talking is going to be out of breath sometimes but I think when you're in a bigger body you carry around this shame of like any sign of physical (laughs) exertion or that like you're struggling at all with any kind of physical activity and I was like wow it's just great to hear someone talking and be a bit bit out of breath because if I was on a walk with a friend I would be embarrassed by that even though it's crazy
3: It's taken me a long time to get to that place, and I purposely wanted to put in all of the huffing and the puffing and the bits where I'm just like humming to myself and falling over because it's it's far truer experience, I think. And particularly, I really hear that when you're in a fat body, there's this pressure to somehow like not be a fat body, like to be yeah. like the most agile person. And, you know, from a physiological point of view, it just takes a bit more effort for my body to get some oxygen around it. My body calls itself so I am going to sweat. You know, I've just come in from a run. I'm sweating now. I'm bright red. But look, no one's got hurt. (laughs) Mm. And I think it's, I think we need to be honest. And I think Instagram particularly has, um, particularly in like fitness Instagram has created this sort of content where people show you like doing the most and like there's not a bead of sweat on them and their hair is perfect and the maquillage is still looking gorgy. When Mm. actually that's not the reality for anybody. No, regardless of who they are. But yeah, there can be this sense of fat shame. And I think something that I'm trying to do within the movement that I encourage people to do is like get a sweat towel, sweat, pant as much as you like, wear the clothes that make you feel comfortable, not the ones that you think this is what movement clothing looks like
2: yeah yeah Um, and I know just a a little tangent um, you are doing a lot of work in the yoga space at the moment which I love to see I got super into yoga during COVID and then I did what I do with everything which is like I got too into it and then I decided that I had to do it every day for 45 minutes and if I didn't do that then there was no point and so therefore I completely fell off Um, but it's been really beautiful watching you um, kind of really develop your yoga practice Uh, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing around that
3: so I have a very brilliant way into yoga where I only ever have practiced at home and with fat people and um one of those teachers is a very brilliant teacher called Lucy B who encouraged me to come to her classes and so I did we made a little podcast for Spotify about fat yoga and she said look I think like you're doing really well. I think you should go up to my next level in my classes and just kept on encouraging me and having a fat teacher encourage you. And lo and behold, one day she said, I think you like this a lot. I think you should do your teacher training. And so I did. And I graduated at the end of last year with my 200 hours. And then I immediately did another 30 hours training because like you, Louise, I I have to be all or nothing. (laughs) But what it has given me is just... It's given me a sense of like I know from practicing for five years now that I have a knowledge about how to practice yoga in a fat body that other people are really encouraged by. And so things have gone a bit silly on the Internet for me because of it. But um, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm enjoying the uh, someone said to me recently. Because I was very paranoid that I was like, oh, does this like muddy the water a bit? Does does this mean that people might think I'm not an artist or I don't make work? Or someone said, no, this is just an extension of your practice. You're just holding more space for more people in a different way. And I thought I'm really holding on to that idea that just like everything I try to do is about giving some recognition to people that might feel ostracized or like outsiders to find themselves Um, And to offer themselves a bit of um, solace and calm, perhaps. Mm.
2: Well, with that in mind, let's talk more about the content of the podcast, Um, because you are examining, you know, things like sanity in the first episode, self-care in the second episode. These concepts that have become a bit almost tired on the Internet, Um, you know, they're kind of buzzwords, but they do have so much meaning. I mean, maybe not sanity, but but they do have so much meaning. Um, and, And you can kind of forget that, can't you, in today's kind of dialogue?
3: Yes, I think the the words mental health have become so ubiquitous. Yeah. <laughs> it's become like a thing yeah. where people are like, oh, have you got mental health? Yes, I have mental health. <laughs> and so it's become so abstract when really what I wanted to do is kind of really knuckle into some of these concepts and being like, okay, well, who decided what sanity was? Yeah. And, wh- and why have we all decided like this is what sanity looks like? If so many of us find that another expectation to live by. And so as much as I think these conversations or these campaigns that are run nationally and globally, which is like, just say hello to your work colleague and they'll be okay. I think they're well-intentioned, but when we really look at the structures at play here and what um, harm is being done to us externally through the world that we live in, I just just wanted us to kind of come back to some of these conversations of these questions mm. with some renewed ideas about well it, it is our approach to mental health working and what do we mean when we say mental health mm. and what do I mean when I say that I'm mad
2: yeah. And and when you say that you're mad cuz I love that you use that word just like which I'm sure some people find a bit alienating just like those of us who call ourselves fat always have to explain that, you know, it's okay. <laughs> this is our choice to use this word about our bodies. Um but when you say you're mad, what do what do you mean?
3: So I mean that Politically, and I mean that clinically. Mm -hmm. So, from a clinical point of view, I am a person that chooses to take antipsychotics. I have had medical intervention to try and hold parts of myself together and to try and get me to happier, more sustainable ways of living. But I'm also a politically mad person, and that means that I believe that. Uh, I shouldn't be hidden away, people like me shouldn't be restrained and taken their choices about how their care and what their care looks like. And I believe in the visibility of mad people as well. In the same way that we talk about fatness and fat liberation, Mm. I think we can easily transpose that to mad liberation in the same way that we have looked at reclamations of words like queer. Uh, Again, it's all in the same realm for me of being like trying to um, take on something which was once used against me as a, and as a non-deniable, as something that I want to accept. Yes, this is who I am. This is the way that my brain works. And I require and I ask for support in lots of different ways. And I do lots of things to support my madness mm. so I can function. But that doesn't mean I'm ashamed of the moments of which I can't look after myself, the moments of which I am in bed, because I think that shame only pollutes the madness and can keep us unhappier. And we know that inherent shame can lead to really terrible things.
2: Yeah. It's interesting that idea of not there not being a finish line. I think is always an interesting concept to to bring into conversations like this that you, it's not with mental health sometimes sure maybe you get well and that's it but often that's not the case and there will always be times when you'll be well and when you won't be so well and I always say that with with fat stuff as well that like you know you're probably not just going to reach the finish line and be like oh my god i feel great about my body I'm fixed. And it's just going to stay like that forever. It's not because the world is there and it's feeding you negativity and you have to take it in and process. And sometimes you're going to be better at that than other times. Um, and I feel like, you know, watching friends of mine experience struggles with their mental health and, and experience mental illness. Um, it, it doesn't seem like it goes that way most of the time. And I feel like you're right. Accepting that is probably a very progressive thing.
3: For sure. I think there's um, a massive thing that I had to accept, come to terms with, which is I will never be well. This is always going to be something that I will experience. I've experienced it since I was 14. Mm. It's, there's no way that this is somehow just going to magically like evaporate from my body. The, the, Other part of that is the parts of my mental health which have been bruised by trauma. Those experiences don't leave us. And so coming to terms with and surrendering to the fact that this is who I am and this is what life might look like for me can be super nourishing and and actually get you far closer to this imaginary finishing line than anything else. Mm. Admitting this idea that, yeah, this is perhaps something that will always be with me. And there is part of me which does envy those people that were like, oh, I've only ever experienced one mental health blip and um, I've never had anything since. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) really? (laughs) (laughs) What? Why? How? (laughs) Um, But I'm really, I'm I'm glad for them because actually you wouldn't... you wouldn't ask for this experience or experiences like this on your worst enemy. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's so bizarre when the, your own body is against you. There's an organ in your brain that is, there's an organ in your brain. <laughs> there's an organ in your body that is um, kind of, it feels like it's working against you sometimes and uh, trying to make peace with that, that you, that it is part of you is, is being very Sorry, not being very articulate here. Um, Trying to make peace with that has been a beautiful part of the road of, I think, what some people in wellness called healing.
2: I really admire your approach to life because you seem to have an endless well of desire to figure things out and, you know, to get to the bottom of things, which I suppose is why you make the work that you make. Um, But when you are experiencing... Excuse me, some of the challenges we've been referring to. Like, I can imagine that sometimes you probably just really don't feel like it. So, what makes you keep going when it comes to making this kind of exploratory work?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, 2022 was a pretty bad year for me where I thought my hands were falling off and that I was in a TV show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, my friend said to me, "Uh, Where are the cameras? And I'm like, Classic question. (laughs) (laughs) They're everywhere, actually. Um, So I, I do take that, you know, I had to stop. And I had to refigure out who I was. And in those moments, I'm still asking questions. And my therapist said to me, um, see, the problem with you is you, you want to know the answer to everything. <laughs> and perhaps there isn't an answer. But I'm still defiant that there might be an answer. I like to contextualise everything or understand things. I don't need them to be final or to have a finish line. But I do want to understand how we arrived at a certain place. And so, yeah, there are moments of which I'm like, oh, I give up. <laughs> I can't be bothered. But um, I've always had an inquisitive mind, I think. My mum was always said I uh, was very imaginative, <laughs> which I think is shorthand for lots of different things. Um, but I think I do love the yoga and I love going out for a run. And these other things that I put around my life um, offer me moments of getting out of my head mm. and um, offer me joy and... I'm big into the gardening as well. <laughs> oh, Scotty. I know. I love the Jesus. gardening. It's a long way from <laughs> Shoreditch. <laughs> I do. I love the gardening. I love like thinking, like, well, I could grow that and I could grow that. Because it's, it's all maths. Mm. Um, and there is actual, and I talk about this in the podcast, there is mm. actual scientific research that looks at this bacteria that lives within soil that makes us happier it emulates serotonin. So I'm just doing all the things that like give, and I, I'm, I'm trying to give permission to other people to do the things that might offer them five minutes of softness. I'm not saying joy or happiness, because I think that's a high expectation, mm. but five minutes with yourself rather than constantly being a provider for other people and a, and a vessel for capitalism. I think the the more we can do that and offer ourselves joy and calmness and just stuff, I think that the, the perhaps easier life might be.
2: Oh. I think that's a beautiful way to finish up. Scotty, where can people find the podcast?
3: Um, just by searching Scotty Self Help on the internet or, you know, just by Googling it. They shouldn't be lazy, Louise McSherry. okay? <laughs> do you know? We can't give them everything in life.
2: We like to make things as easy as possible so that you get the listeners. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and where else can they find you on the internet?
3: Oh, I love the Instagram. Don't you and I love the Instagram. We do. Um, so just in all the normal places where people like us like to talk about ourselves. <laughs>
0: Things just flow, wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to
2: Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep
0: needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together.
2: As I said at the start, I got loads of messages from you guys asking me to talk about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City on this podcast this week. And we are going to do that. So first in the pop culture segment this week, you're going to hear us talk about some of the normal stories of things. Andrew Lloyd Webber has a poltergeist. Who did Cher tell to fuck off? Um, You know, really bringing you the vital information. And then we get stuck right into the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Uh, So I really hope you enjoy this Recap of what's been going on in the world of celebrity with Esther Moore Donahue. Esther Moore Donahue, thank you for once again welcoming me into your home. How are you? I'm great. Happy New Year, Louise. Happy New Year. How are you feeling about it? I feel yeah, I feel sort of
0: neutral. I'm the gear is in neutral. I think, yeah, look what we we're full of optimism. We go, yeah, this year is gonna be the year. It's all going to happen. You know what? It's going to be a year. It will be a year. There'll be twelve months to the year, (laughs) and we are week one into the twelve months of that year. So, what can we say? It will. We are here
2: a year exactly. We're still here. (laughs) It will be a calendar year. Yes. (laughs) that I can say for certain. Yeah. Um well we've got lots of fun stuff to talk about this week fortunately and including the real housewives of Salt Lake City which I know lots yes. of people got on to me and said please talk about it on the podcast. So we are going to do that. We'll do that at the end. So don't worry if you're not a real housewives girly then uh, you don't have to stress. You can just mm-hmm. skip it. But we're going to start with Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Yes. Well she has a she's a new surname
0: now. It's um Oh yeah, sorry. She's got she's gone double barrel double barrel which I actually don't have to hand. Let me see. That's okay. Oh, yeah, so it's Gypsy Rose Blanchard Anderson. Oh. Call me by my name, Gypsy Rose Blanchard Anderson. Yes. I like
2: it. Now, for people who don't know, it kind of feels a bit weird to be talking about her in the like celeb entertainment section in one way. But the way that a lot of people know about her is through TV programs and movies that have been made about her or TV series that have been made about her. Yeah. So for people who don't know, who is Gypsy
0: Rose? Well, she's in the news cycle. Because she was released early on the 28th of December, the end of last month, after serving eight years in prison for the role in the murder of her mother, Dede Blanchard. Yes. So it's... Great, uh, and she was convicted alongside her then boyfriend Nicholas Godjohn, who or is a Goodjohn, who is serving a life sentence uh, still, so he's not coming out. And she was originally sentenced to ten years, but um, got early release. So her mother had raised Gypsy Rose. Uh, Gypsy Rose's mother had raised her to believe that she was suffering from a variety of medical conditions, including leukemia and epilepsy. Uh, and I don't know if this is the, the how you phrase it, but her mother had Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Yeah. Um, which is a psycholo- psychological disorder marked by attention-seeking behavior by a caregiver
2: through those who are in their care. Yeah, so I think Munchausen syndrome is where you, like, kind of pretend to have illnesses that you don't have. And Munchausen syndrome by proxy is when you pretend that someone else does. Yeah, and but she... But, like, this was extreme.
0: Yeah, I mean, Gypsy Rose was in a wheelchair and Gypsy Rose knew she could walk, but such was the level of psychological maneuverings at play that she was stuck in this dynamic and mm-hmm. um it came to a, a a fatal end um and you know it was a, it was just a part of their you know every relationship has patterns or whatever and it was mm-hmm. built into hers and she'd been experiencing this since she was a child so her
2: mother had deceived her and doctors. And it was a whole big network of lies. Yeah. It goes on. It's like everyone's kind of pulled into this. Yeah, and- it was crazy. Like, I've watched a lot of documentaries and films about this because I just... Uh, the psychological side of it I find fascinating. But, you know, the mother completely isolated her gypsy from her father as well who's back in her life now and had gypsy also convinced that gypsy had these very serious medical conditions convinced loads of doctors except for there's one doctor who kind of raised a red flag but it was Somewhat ignored, and mm-hmm. um, that she had all of these medical conditions, like inc- like things like she had tubes in, she had a feeding tube, she had loads of medical procedures that she didn't need to have. So lots of people are like, why? Are like the doctors should be punished for this as well. So she, you know, her mother abused her. I mean, this yeah. is abuse,
0: and there's a power imbalance there. Obviously, you know, it's a, an adult child relationship. So that, you know, if you're raised in this, you don't know any any better, and you're yeah. you know, and she fooled you know so many people, and you know then. When, people might ask questions she claimed that her daughter's medical records were destroyed and her Katrina so the lives just get bigger yeah. and
2: deeper and more elaborate. And she also took a lot of money that was raised for that. You
0: know, she was, you know, she wasn't, you know, I think Gypsy Rose went on these kind of make-a-wish um, mm. experiences and she, yeah, if there, if there were perks, to put it crudely, she took advantage of them and she yeah. was not shy about seeking donations to help with her care and, and, and this kind of thing. I think, you know, it was obviously, it's a, it's a, psychological condition and it was awful As Gypsy Rose went through this but I think if you look at like certain even in your own life little relationships you know you've got that one person you're like what I know what you're saying is not true you know, 100% true <laughs> yeah. or in the year I was there and that narrative is not correct but sometimes you're just like there's so many people passing through you go well I'm not going to see that person for another you know yeah, till next and we'll so this is like to the
2: extreme, extreme obviously yeah. I am not a psychologist so but anyway, um, in the end Gypsy Rose and her boyfriend so murdered Dee Dee
0: yeah yeah uh, they murdered DD. Dee Dee. So yeah. she as I said, she's been released now, so that's why she's in this news cycle. But she has come out with a media plan, management, you know, she's got a book that's available on pre order. Um, and so she it's it's sort of like it she has been kind of memeified now. It's it's sort of it's a bit Yes, Queen. She's like, you know, yeah. she's out. And I think it's I think we Kind of, we forget the details that someone was murdered, even though I mean that's a, a brutal way to go. And Gypsy Rose suffered had a, a horrific childhood. Or yeah, whatever. and look,
2: it's extremely complicated. Like no one's denying that it's it's kind of clear cut in this kind of situation when the context is that this girl was abused. Mm. But like, it is kind of a bit weird, isn't it? It is strange. Like I don't have you seen that um film,
0: The uh, Killers of the Flower Moon? No. Well, spoiler, so please move away. It's not really a spoiler, but at the end of the, sh- the whole film plays out and you see everything that went on and you're like, whoa, and you're three hours of your life. Actually, you never see this film because no. you're like, you're like a tight 90. A three, no, <laughs> you I can't see three hours. But no. I went to see the film. So at the end, they have like this old timey kind of live radio show the way they used to do back in the day with live musicians and live performers and they're covering it in the same way that we would cover a murder podcast now. It was kind of an interesting little commentary there. Yeah. And so obviously those people were just like, in a in a town hall, putting on a show, people were like laughing and ooh and aye and stuff. And you kind of you forget that those lines become smudged and erased. Yeah. And you're look you like when we listen to murder podcasts or whatever like that are true crime. You know, sometimes we kind of forget
2: there's that that real person. Yeah, there's yeah, a real a person family. at the end of that. Yeah. And
0: but it, what's what's happening is that the world gets faster now. The the timelines are getting more crunched. Mm. So that's not even ten years since that happened, yeah. and yet now. She is this social media star and she has currency and she has power and she didn't have it before so maybe she's entitled to make some financial... um,
2: Well, she's going to make loads. She's got 6.3 million followers on Instagram now. Um, She has a series that's premiering on Lifetime TV in the US um, tomorrow or today as you're listening, Mm -hmm. if you're listening on Friday. It's on January 5th, 6th and 7th. It's called The Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Um, She has a new husband. She has a new life. um, You know, she's going to make a lot of money. But her main kind of thing on her Instagram is Munchausen syndrome by proxy advocate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think she does want to do some work in that area, which is a positive thing. Yeah. And I think if someone is, you know,
0: consuming this e- either passively or just kind of it's it, if they see it in the news cycle or you see it somewhere they might go well, maybe it might raise flags in their own life or for someone they know and yeah so that can that's yeah. only a good
2: thing yeah okay um now this next one i just thought we need to talk about the fact that some celebrities are giving us so much access to their lives this headline is cardi b says she and offset haven't reconciled despite having sex on new year's eve Colin, we're not together. Like, why do we know that they had sex on New Year's Eve? Why do I
0: know that? Because that's just the way the world works. That's Some, crazy. Like, some people choose the Beyonce defense. Beyonce mm. shut it down. We don't know what she's doing, and it's nothing. great. I mean, yeah. it's, you kind of and that that is like an act. I mean, I yeah. just think, wow, you've done it. You've done a good job, Beyonce. It, in terms of how I perceive the world, yes. But Cardi B did not come up that way. She came up reality TV. She shares everything. She live streams. And she's like, you know, maybe she just was getting annoyed by the rumors that, you know, people had spotted them at the same location, like nightclub in Miami. And she was like, no. She could have just said, we're not together. We just happen to be in the same venue. But she was like, we're not together. Yeah, we did have sex in New Year's Eve, but we are not together. I'm gonna read the exact, yeah. uh, the exact
2: words. That Actually, she
0: said. I was when I saw this, I was like, "If and I don't add extra production onto you." If you could put a bit of classical music behind this, because <laughs> it's quite, it's quite beautiful. Because it's the last line. Is that what you're looking at? The last line yes, in particular. My yeah. yeah.
2: I want to be clear to you guys because you guys are making your assumptions, and I just wanted you to hear it from the horse's mouth. Was I clubbing with my baby father yesterday? Yes. Did I got dick down yesterday? Absolutely, baby. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt, please. Did I got dick down yesterday? Absolutely, baby. Oh, Cardi. You know... The thing is, part of me is like, come on, keep it to yourself. And then another part of me is like, give me no, more. No, that's, that's art. It's who she is. It's who she is. She wrote,
0: like, WAP. Yeah. So that's just part of her poetry. It's part of her language. And, you know, but I mean, this is... Yeah, like, you're either going the Cardi B way or, as I said, you're going the Beyonce way. Yeah. But it's just part of culture now. They it give is. us little tidbits. But I think... Say, if you look at, say, Jada Pinkett Smith, mm. she gave us chapter and verse, but she is still retreating to the environment of her palatial yeah. double home with Will Smith. They're still making money. It's calculated. You yeah. don't get to the top of the heap, you know. And obviously, there's some rewards in what they get. Like Prince Harry. Yeah. Did we need to know that he put Elizabeth Arden Eight Hour Cream on his Todger? <laughs> Why
2: did that and make the, the edit? That smell of it reminded, reminded him of his late mother.
0: His lame mother. <laughs> that was something that could have stayed in the drafts could folder. Have. Kind of I mean, really, that is extraordinary.
2: But I'm glad it didn't. But I'm glad it didn't. Um, but And you know, I suppose Cardi B, the whole reason that she came to fame in the first place is because she was unedited. She was not reading from the yeah. press release. She was just yeah. saying these wild things. She's
0: entertaining. She's funny. She's a comedian. Yeah. Oh, she's gas. And she knows a lot about Eleanor, Eleanor Roosevelt. She's crazy she, about history. Oh,
2: yeah. I didn't know that. Oh yeah.
0: Even on Hot Ones she gets in a bit of Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, I um, love it. She's into history. So yeah so that's just what you know we, we're, we're versed in getting readies with me we're seeing their highs in Architectural Digest even though they're obviously curated and da 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 da. Yeah.
2: We it's know so, they got Dick Down. They go absolutely baby. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Next uh, to another woman who is delightfully unfiltered when she wants to be. Cher. I yeah. love this. Who did she tell to go fuck themselves?
0: She said to, "Well, yeah, share. We love share. She's going a long time. She's seen them come, and she's, oh my god, and she, she has she seen is them go. So
2: gorgeous.
0: She's incredible.
2: Yeah. Who is her doctor? Because it is, it's just done well. It's so good. Yeah. Like you look at other um, famous women who've had work done, and it doesn't look so good. And I still believe in everyone's right to make their own decision about their faces, their bodies, whatever. Do what you want. Um, but share's work is spectacular." She's going out into,
0: wherever she goes, she's going out into the courtyard in full natural daylight and she's like looking at the, she's getting an, she's not just going, oh yeah, you look great, you look, she's like, no, if I pull, will that this, will this look demented? And they're like, yes. She's like, okay, well then let it yeah, lie.
2: looking at it from all angles. Uh, I think she, sorry, just to stay on yeah. her face for one moment. <laughs> I think she may also be drinking the blood of virgins. Possibly. And potentially dipping herself in formaldehyde every night as she goes to sleep. She's doing something. She looks unbelievable
0: and what she got like a 35 year old boyfriend or something yes Is I you know? love this she, yeah we, we love Cher and she gave what's, what's her iconic line my mom says, "When are you going to settle down and get a, a rich man?" And she's like, "Mom, I am a rich man." I love it. I have it on that a T-shirt. That is the best. I that is it. the best line well, that was was terrible impression. I'm very sorry about that. I liked it. And day, thank you. And days, women's sporting women, Louise. Days, <laughs> Magazine, Sean Faye once wrote, "If Madonna and Lady Gaga and Kylie and Cindy Lauper were playing football, share would be the stadium they played on, and the sun that shone down on them." Yes. So let's get into the story. Yes, we're pro share. So. If you've heard of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it seems like kind of an outdated, weirdy thing. I guess it's just a device to sell more records
2: and to kind of make things, you know. I mainly know about it because they inducted... Inducted? Inducted, Is that a word? They... induced <laughs> dolly yeah. parton and dolly yes. parton initially said no i don't want it because uh-huh. i don't do rock and roll it wouldn't be fair and then there was kind of a lot of uproar and then eventually she was like okay fine but i'm gonna record a rock and roll album and that's why her latest album is a rock and roll album mm. um so that's why i know about uh the rock and roll hall of fame because that is my specialist Area of expertise Dolly well, yeah. Parton Dolly Parton um, But yeah So Cher slammed The organisation
0: Yeah she was on The Kelly Clarkson show Promoting her new Christmas album And she, you know Clarkson was Gassing her up Telling her she, You know You've scored so many Number one hits Across your career Seven decades Seven decades I'm just seeing this It's incredible um, And she noted that Only the Rolling Stones Had matched that achievement And she said It took four of them To be one of me She said And I'm not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame And she said You know what I wouldn't be in it now if they gave me a million dollars. They can just go, you know what themselves. You know, if you can't, you know, credit me after a seven decade career, that seems wrong. But she's sounds, right. She's right. Um, and yeah, she's iconic. And I there, actually, then I write. I read an article um, by Courtney Love talking about how uh, when was it? It was. Um, last year how hey, female artists are still c- incredibly underrepresented in the, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm. uh, Six just 65 female stars to date have been inducted since the inaugural ceremony in 1986 uh, which is around 8% of the total of the remaining 700 plus inductees male artists it's crazy the math ain't math and it doesn't it, you know yeah. so um, yeah she's right here you don't need it yeah you're dead right you've got an Emmy you've got a Grammy you've got an Oscar yeah
2: and you wrote Believe. Exactly. And you look incredible. You look incredible. We which I know you. is not the main thing, but like you do. And you've mm-hmm. always had great outfits. I love her. Um, a sh- special shout out to my friend, John, who is obsessed with Cher. I hope you have been satisfied with this segment because I've been nervous the entire time about what you will think of it. you welcome, um, John. <laughs> okay. Now, I know we're not really talking about Christmas anymore, but I simply had to talk about this story because it is so bad. Yeah, do your kids watch this? No, because I fortunately saw this i saw other parents being like don't let your kids watch this mm-hmm. and to be honest my kids aren't really that into movies um which is a it's has a lot of <laughs> their attention spans but anyway
0: well look santa's real and all that kind of stuff and this is not for you won't be watching christmas movies till the end of this year because we're in a new year and um, but there have been calls if you are a disney plus subscriber to remove the new diary of a wimpy kid cabin fever film after some say that it ruins the magic for christmas So in the film, I mean, I think a lot of your listeners will be familiar with these characters. Obviously, the lead character is Greg Heffley. Of course. (laughs) Of course. He's warned by his mum that he must be on his best behaviour in the lead up to Christmas. At around, this is where you, if you are, happen to slip through, at the the 22 minute mark, Greg goes upstairs to get wrapping paper at the request of his mother. But when he opens the cupboard, he sees the games console that he's asked Santa for hidden at the back. But then on Christmas Day, Santa also delivers the games console, and so he donates the present to a child. Now, just I think in that instance, the mother um, just thought she get ahead, but Santa, as well was watching, knows. Yeah. So yeah, so that was so. It's rated six plus, but it's been slammed by some parents uh, saying that kids have been like asking questions, and when that scene comes up, they're like, "But how, Why did she?" And da da. da, da. So if you want to,
2: you know, happy life, just maybe just delete that one, or yeah, don't like I know parents who said. They saw it and were like, it absolutely, like, it's too much. Mm. Like, it does. It definitely raises questions that don't need to be raised. Yeah. And, like, six plus is, is young. Like, uh-huh. six is young for those kind of questions to be asked. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah that's, like, that should be prime magic time. Yeah, but, like, you'd think they would have thought of it. I don't know. I think it's wild that they didn't consider it.
0: So it seems like they didn't screen it for any little young children or whatever Apparently or any parents. Not. Uh, no.
2: Apparently not. Now, we have to talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber's Poltergeist.
0: I mean, what a choice!
2: Andrew Lloyd Webber—he's like, Uh,
0: what the? How is this such a strange man? And he's still going, and he's richer than Croesus. In an interview with the Telegraph, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote the musical
2: Cats. Have you seen Cats the film? I have not seen the film. I've seen the musical, but I know I chose not to see the film. Yeah. Uh, so he was in this interview and he,
0: they were discussing whether any of his theatres were haunted. He said he'd never seen a ghost but had witnessed some unusual activity at his, at his home. Again, I'll do an Andrew Lloyd Webber impression. I did have a house in Eaton Square which had a poltergeist. I mean, he just—he it, it wasn't just a ghost, it was a poltergeist. It would do things like take theater scripts and put them in a neat pile in some obscure room. Imagine having a house so big that you had obscure rooms. I know
2: my dreams. Where is
0: it? It's in the obscure room. I mean... But the ghost was tidying up. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this sounds Where like is a thing. Where are you complaining? And in it, putting it away, tidying it up to an obscure room, perfect, you can't see it, I decided to out of mind. In the end, we had to get a priest to come bless it and it left. Oh. And now his house is a messy, messy in bits.
2: What messed. a weird um, poltergeist. Strange. You, are you sh- ghosty? Are you into ghosts? No. Believe? I don't not believe... Yeah. Like I'm always interested Do you believe the in life stories. after love? I, I mean yes Yes Definitely Yeah um, But I don't know about ghosts I don't not believe in them But like if I, I really I'm, start To think about it I'm like I mean it feels unlikely But like I also enjoy ghost stories Yeah So I'm not really into ghost or horror stories
0: But I am into signs Like I would like a sign Like oh mm, I really like this you know, jumper. Oh, a robin's just landed on a top of a bin. Better buy it. Mm -hmm. Those kind of
2: things. I'm open to that. Well, I remember one time I was watching a TV program. No, where did I get this concept from? I can't remember. I was watching something and, uh, or listening to something, something in the world. Be more vague, please. (laughs) Brought me the idea (laughs) that if you asked for signs from, Someone you loved who oh, died. Yeah. yeah. Like a specific sign. Yeah. If you made it really specific, you would get it. Yeah. Um, and then you would know undeniably that it was like from someone. Yeah. And I remember saying this actually at the book club that I used to attend that you guys have now made your own new WhatsApp group. You've got to break away. It's no point. Nobody wants to be in it. But I do want to be in it. I just could never go. Okay. It's fine. You oh, re- no, rejected no, no, me. It's no. fine. I accept it. We're just being pragmatic. So the book club that we used to be in, um, I remember saying this and one of the girls asked for a sign from a friend of hers and got it like very specifically. And I had asked for a sign as an experiment from my granny. I asked to hear... Um, Carameo Ben which is like an opera song that I sang for my I know what it is Louise I don't I I sang it for my leaving certain it was one of my granny's favourite songs and I was like okay granny let's do this Uh, you know give it to me and that week I was watching TV and it was you know that show um it's not a show that we watch, the choir or whatever, with that mm-hmm. English guy who just yeah. does, does choirs around the country. It's not a show that we would watch. I don't know why it was on. It happened to be on the TV. I yeah. hadn't watched the whole thing or anything. And all of a sudden they start singing Caramio Ben. Excuse I have not me. heard that song since then. Like yeah. it's, you know what I mean? I even mean, as I'm, I'm saying it, I'm like, no, oh, like, I'm open to the magic of it I don't know. Yeah, I th- kind of well, think, it, think doesn't even you it doesn't matter if it's real. It doesn't matter for it's just me,
0: a coincidence, but it was the right coincidence you needed at the time. Yeah. And so, like, just give yourself that bit of comfort because life's hard.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, Esther. Take your take your stuff where you can get it. Yeah. Now it's time. It's time to talk the real housewives ha, ha, of Salt Lake City.
0: Oh my god.
2: That is an impression of the theme music, by the way, if you you are unfamiliar. So for people who are unfamiliar with The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City... There's been four seasons of it. It takes place in Salt Lake City in Utah, home of the Mormons. There's a lot of kind of Mormon flavor around the place, but they're not all Mormons. And um, Are there good Mormons and the bad Mormons? Yes. And f- in fact, one of them has written a book called yeah, bad, bad Mormon. Mormon yeah. um, but the most famous thing about this franchise up till this point has been that Jen Shaw, one of the original cast members, is in prison currently after being investigated by the FBI for fraud. Mm-hmm. Fraud, I think, and I can't remember the specific charges. Mark, uh,
0: what did they call it? Like, Strezia Judice the same thing. It's basically kind of
2: stealing people's information it? and yeah. selling it.
0: Um, so yeah, we've had an incarceration. We've had making uh, butter from scratch scenes. This yes. show is giving us everything. It's got, <laughs> it's got. Like I was listening to before you, as you you knocked on the door earlier. I was listening to um, Watch Your Crappens, and they were talking about commending the sound design in this episode. Oh, sound in the series, this episode is spectacular. It's just so good. But all like as the, as the, if you're not. Into the housewives. And I don't, we don't have to convince anybody. You're no. not into it, you're not into it. But these are little parcels of art. And as it gets yes. deeper into the years, the people working on them bring their skill set to the fore. Because oh. where would you else be like the sound design, the shots, the cho- oh. you they, they, they would like. The editing. The
2: editing. Oh my God. Spectacular. It's through, like, it's just brilliant. So Anyway, we're going to talk about what happened. Yeah. So if you are going to watch it and you don't want to know, just skip. Yeah, skip and come back yeah um, or don't come back it's okay if you don't yeah. come back I do have I actually do have a load of recommendations though so I would come back for the last five minutes of the episode um, but anyway uh, here's what happened
0: okay <clears throat> excuse me
2: are you ready <laughs> yeah I'm, re- I'm ready so
0: they're all in the Bahamas okay mm-hmm. one of the cast members has ties family ties to the Bahamas so they're going on their cast trip <laughs> and this is what well, I, I think I don't know if it was the podcast I listened to earlier but they were like They've been on domestic trips for the past few years because of yeah. COVID and because of Jen, a former cast member. Yeah, so Jen like, wasn't allowed to leave the We're country. Finally <laughs> getting to go away. Yeah. They're in the Bahamas. They're having the greatest time. It was a bit of a drippy drab. You know, there was something's going like, Meredith was getting shouted at. Lisa was shouting yeah. at Meredith. I mean, there has
2: to be drama. It's. To, the Whitney point. was
0: shouting in this episode, Whitney was shouting at um, Heather at one point, You exploited my vagina yes. in your book. Walking through a car park, screaming like, at her. You know, when someone, you're like, just take the, <laughs> r- read the cue. Heather does not. Heather's running away from you in her caftan She does not want to talk to you, Whitney. And also, Whitney, as they say in "Watch What Happens," you're a bit of a ding dong in this episode. Like yeah. you gave consent, you read the package. Yeah. Anyway, so if you're not in first in this world, I'm sorry. This is a lot of information coming at you. But basically, they're in the Bahamas, going on the trip. They're doing buying $700 perfumes and all this kind of stuff. And now everything's gone. Mm. They're going on scooters and they're kind of lying on boats and they're flying around. Standard housewife stuff. Great.
2: And then we get
0: we get a flashback. And then we're like to the present day. So we know something. it's 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 something's ha- gonna
2: happen. Four hours earlier.
0: Four <laughs> hours there's a, there's a meeting on the beach. Heather pulls them down to the meeting on the beach. We have all the the sisterhood is there. The sisterhood of the traveling caftans. The
2: original captain. The original, members.
0: and Heather's kind of laying it on like um you know the little butter knife, little wooden Swedish wooden butter knife. You know, we it's are family. So dramatic We're sisters. We've been through this. But you know, I, we've been through.
2: But I also love that, like the other women come down and they are giving their greatest performances because they've been told they're going to be told something, but they don't know what they're going to be told. So they come down and they're like, Heather, what is it? I'm scared. What's happening? Come on. What's going on?
0: They're wearing bright poppy colours. Mother Nature's involved. The wind is whipping, whipping hair in the faces. The sky is drama, grey and dramatic. They're huddled together. Maybe the sound people have said the wind is really affecting the microphone. (laughs) We can just like stand very close together because Heather's on one side, the three little witches of Eastwick on the other side. And they're like, what is happening? And what is going on? And they're kind of like, they're vibrating because they want the news, (laughs) but they can't. And what's happening? And they're on the verge of crying, but they've nothing to cry about yet. And anyway, and then, um, so then Heather is like, just, did she reveal the whole
2: thing there? Or she did just, we get switched to, switch to she it? She goes, she goes, um, uh, Monica is not who we think we are. <laughs> she is not our friend. <laughs> she has been scheming and planning and plotting to become our friend and take advantage of our friendship for years. Monica is reality Vontees. And then the women go, what, what? You're, you're kidding me big yeah. dramatic and then it's like screaming scrying oh. crying shaking yeah and so you're like who the fuck is reality yeah, exactly <laughs> well, so so
0: if you're new, like, that's not even it's like, it's like someone said if it was Duma I'd
2: be like she's Dumas yeah but it's reality no well at this point like I actually got up from the sitting room and went into where Gordon was working and demanded that he take a coffee break Gordon has never watched a minute of the real housewives I was like yes. I cannot watch this alone you will you will enjoy this made him come into the sitting room <laughs> and watch the next 20 minutes with me because uh, what they did was so good they went to Heather Heather's sitting in her like testimonial and she's telling the story like Jessica Fletcher herself that's a murder she wrote reference like going well I've there's always been something that hasn't rung true with me with Monica at first we really bonded single mothers we had a lot to talk about but the way that she just like f- um, you know frequently and casually brought up people's private information always rang red flags for me it rang red flags it rang a red bell whatever blah 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 it
0: rang a red red bell let's get that bell. phrase in the lexicon
2: <laughs> she's it's ringing red
0: bells you know yeah but uh, you, you know on the beach earlier that day when monica it, heather was having they're having like come to jesus you know let's all be friends so they basically meredith's been accused of like planting these stories yeah. about um what's her name been in the greek mafia or whatever Jen. Or Jen, no uh, no uh,
2: oh what's her name oh she, my god she's, she's greek so
0: greek one. yeah
2: did what she mention that name? she's greek
0: i can't remember her name. but anyway, so she so they're on the beach like she's like So Heather puts a question to Monica. Angie. Heather puts a question to Monica and is like about Meredith and and the way Monica answered and I was like red bells alert red Red bells bells. I was like that's like it's like she did not not say it to me not not you know I was like "Mm, you were sitting on a you you didn't that was a and she was smiling I was like is Heather Heather I was like Heather's chosen to let her get
2: away with that because that
0: wasn't I was like. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Little tiny bell ringing.
2: So Heather starts going back and she's like, and then this kind of bothered me and then that bothered me and then it all came to a head when just before this trip, I wanted to get her a voucher for body works beauty blah blah beauty lab and whatever her her business which is like Mm -hmm. an aesthetics clinic and she says i wanted to get her voucher so i looked her name up on the system and there were three different monicas with three different last names and the same date of birth and one of the monicas had not been paying her bills and owed us a lot beauty lab owed us a lot of money Mm -hmm. so then she started to ask around turns out monica's dodgy So she realizes that Monica's dodgy and then... She calls like an, someone who works in the internet to, mm-hmm. to do some digging oh, for her. She works for yeah. They didn't the say deep yeah. Down. Yeah. So annoying. Like, but I presume it's it must like be a, in a meta or something. Or yeah, around. exactly. Some of things you
0: can just trace. Like, the person's yeah, who, who, who is, person? is this 3D person? Yeah. Who's, who's an administrator on this kind or of, Whatever. She's not, I don't and
2: know. so she gets the phone call that afternoon in the Bahamas, and like you know, you hear the audio of her answering the call and going, "Oh my god, I can't yeah, believe it's yeah, her! Yeah, yeah, I feel physically sick." And the producers are like, "Get in there! Get in there! Just go into the cameraman." The cameraman goes in and she's like, "Get out, get out!" and she yeah. pushes them out. Yeah, and you don't know what's going on, but it turns like, out. And she did that.
0: Did she do that the season where she got she had the black eye? She kind of did the yeah. same thing. So, but we'll get to that as well. Um. So anyway, so then they're seated on again. It's windswept and vacant.
2: There was a hurricane whipping. Yes. up. the hair is still like, right. The weather was a paid actor. Like the weather it's was wild. a fifth
0: character, like in Sex and City, whatever they say. So she's actor. Like, reality
2: Vantees.
0: Yeah, but so they have the table set up first of all. Just on the on the bit of grass outside the fancy hotel overlooking the water for their dinner for their dinner and it's in the shape of a triangle for the Bermuda Triangle because they're, oh they're I said the Bahamas I meant I meant Bermuda. Oh I yeah, was Bermuda in the Bahamas. Anyway, look, doesn't matter. This is not a geography show. This is about um, Surrey High School, Salt Lake City. Yeah, Bermuda. So, sorry, every time we said Bahamas,
2: replace it with Bermuda. You're like I knew
0: that was wrong. A red yeah. bell was ringing for you. Red, <laughs> red bells, red bells, bells. all over the place. That's giving red bells. <laughs> not all countries beginning with B or beginning with A or you know. But um, sorry to so, the Caribbean. Sorry. Um. So she. So they're sitting at the thingy, the the triangular tables, and they're all. Um, just like little cats their tails are waffing in the in the breeze they're just waiting for Heather to hmm you enjoying that carpaccio yeah, interesting like the arancini balls Yeah, yeah. and then Heather's like up to her full height and she starts going into it then and you're looking at Monica and it's like you know when you've told a lie when you're small and you know you're, the jig is up yeah. and that you spilt that something all over the red paint all over the sofa yeah. and you're just like I'm gonna wait for her to finish the sentence that's gonna buy me time you can tell by Monica's face yeah she's
2: panicking she's like because what has happened is reality tees It turns out is this like internet Troll, trolling account. Yeah. Like I was talking to James Cavan about this yesterday, and he was like, "It's kind of like in the vein of bloggers unveiled." Yeah, and it is, is that kind, kind of, of thing. So it's like you know posting videos and rumors and gossip about these women, and it started out with Jen Shaw, who is the woman who's in prison right now because they wanted to you know yeah. uncover Jen Shaw or whatever. But then it expanded into just just posting rumors and often lies about the other women yeah. so f- as far as the other women were concerned this is an, an instagram account that has been harassing them and and their families for years mm-hmm. and they have just been told that this woman whose birthday they celebrated the previous day who they've been hugging hanging out with that
0: they flown to the bermuda slash the bahamas with <laughs> red Bells. red Bells. um it's um, <laughs> like I, is this person and the thing is like so and the thing about it is, so first of all, the reality—if you go looking for it—reality, there's only a reality von T's two account left. So maybe the first one was deactivated. So this, only, it only—it has like 38 thousand followers, but obviously the original one must have had a lot more. So it's basically like, a f- like what the, the the way it is, the Monica is basically like a fan who was contributing to this account, and through a process of determination and will befriended certain people in the cast Jen Shaw applied to become a housewife and is now like the poacher in with the kitty cats yeah so cr- she's she's like feeding she's getting all this information she's first hand. she's somehow
2: like in the soup now yeah. and she was just like an innocent like a bystander well it's it's wild because the way that it all worked so she was Jen Shaw's assistant for a while but they basically were like the, you only became Jen Shaw's assistant because you were a fan you were doing drive-bys like they showed texts and stuff of her doing drive-bys of their house to have a look like I would to be honest <laughs> That's... <laughs> think I would. When I went to La Coma I was looking for George Clooney's villa I was like which one do they live in? Yeah. So then she became Jen Shah's assistant so she got all these secret recordings of Jen Shah which she then used on the Reality Von account but she she eventually says it's not entirely true but it is partially true because she says that actually there were other people running the account and she only contributed the Jen Shah stuff Mm. and one of the main people behind the account and the whole reason that Heather found out in the first place was that it was Heather's hairdresser. Heather's
0: hairdresser has been tending to her tresses this whole time. She's been
2: yeah so because heather's hairdresser was very good friends with monica heather called the hairdresser and was like here what's the story she says your one had a, a, a tamika i think it's her name or Tamisha, and um, had a crisis of confidence or a crisis of conscience and was like i'm confessed to everything was like look this is what's been happening so monica's defense is actually i wasn't posting about any of you i never posted about any of you i only shared stuff about jen
0: there was um, a number of
2: other humans <laughs> yes involved, that were contributing. yeah yeah but like my god it is so dramatic
0: it's so dramatic and it's 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 Rebecca Vardy it's yes. it's it's Tom Sandoval, yes. which I wasn't fully into because I wasn't in that universe, but I'm in this universe, so I'm yeah. like aghast. And Monica, it's interesting because it kind of, it obviously is very dramatic. And stuff, but Monica's a new cast member. So it doesn't have like, it wasn't seasons and seasons of loyalty of Monica. You're like, oh, I can't believe Monica did it. Like Monica has been kicking up some shit since she got, she, since she
2: landed. It hasn't been my favorite. Like it's oh, just. Oh, I've really liked her. Yeah. Not like liked her, like I want to be friends with her, but liked her as a housewife.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she's doing the job. Anyway, so she's basically, so she's in the same. But then they show, so we've revealed this and they're like, Oh, the gasp of it all. She has like, there's footage of her in, Meredith's store wear, wearing a wig, a fake wig and a mask, obviously with pandemic yeah. times. And it's just and then and then they cut this footage from this season going to Meredith going I've never been. I've never here been before. in your store, and she's like, "Yes, you have," and you were there when. Not, yeah. oh no, no, she was not. Wasn't being been accused of theft. She was there when an item was stolen yeah. by one of an entourage member.
2: So it's just against. all the pieces so of the puzzle are like, coming together, dope. and and then eventually Heather's like, "Get out, get out, pack your bags," and she has to leave. Like, I mean, she couldn't stay. They just weren't going to engage with her. No, him. but also, okay. So here's what I want. Mm-hmm. I want desperately, and we obviously have the reunions coming. Three parter. We had stunning footage of Monica's testimony. Monica's saying, even Gossip Girl couldn't stay Gossip Girl forever. Like, mm-hmm. what? Well, she is mm-hmm. really delivering. Yeah. Um. And, but I want, I want full interview with the producers. I want to know when did they find out? Uh-huh. I want to know how involved they were in deciding... That Heather was going to be meet the women on the beach and then reveal it at uh-huh. dinner. Like, how did they prepare them? Because there's brilliant bits in this where, like, at one stage, I think it's um, Lisa stands up and she's like giving out yards, and in the background you can see the producers yeah. scurrying like around a sliding door. <laughs> they're like in yeah. their flip flops, oh and my then God. they're like trying to get out of the camera. Yeah. But you can just imagine the panic. I want, a, I want a like a five part limited series about the production behind this. Yeah. Like, it just, it, it is, it is. It is the best revelation of anything that has ever happened on The Housewives.
0: It's art. You need to get involved. It is it, so, it's it's
2: cinema verte
0: like like it when they did they did like a few um you know a little montage from the reunion and I thought like see we live in this age where and you know, shame. There's no place for shame, but people are shameless. Yeah. she's like obviously got a strategy. She's like, I am going to do this, and she even had her like burn book from Mean Girls
2: in the reunion. At I'm the like, reunion, you know? well, she obviously decided to lean in. But she's like, gonna lean in. But the but thing is, when I was watching her panic, I was like, you know, she has kids. Like, she has a teenage daughter who's gonna hear about this. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? There will be real life repercussions for yeah. her. And I, I don't. They would because they wouldn't film. They wouldn't bring her back for the next season because other women won't film with her. I want her to come back.
0: Yeah, but who she? She's got no allies. They'll
2: have to bring in someone else.
0: Unless Mary decides to, like... Because Mary's been... Ha- I don't know what the point of Mary is. No. So Mary's not really in the season. But, like, she's the only person she could kind of... Might take her under her wing or something. Yeah. That she could have conversations, scenes with. But she's not going to
2: have scenes with anyone else. Like, I think if there was a way to keep her, I would like her to stay, to be honest, for entertainment value. I, I Like, yeah. I understand. Don't get me wrong. What she did is, you know, it's bad. Like, yeah. you know, I can say from personal experience that the people talking shit about you online may seem small and meaningless when you're not at the kind of receiving end of it but it is it really impacts your life because yeah and then you and then they're like well you've been writing
0: stuff about us or being associated with this account and we're on your birthday yes
2: I am wearing a stunning yellow toga and we are have this whole thing for you. We flew yeah. down here, blah blah blah, blah. Oh, Of course, they're the paid loads is, of money. But it's like when Heather's giving her like her. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I'm just it's such it's as my a enthusiasm Very enthusiasm for the topic. Yeah. Um, but when Heather's giving her a big speech, she's like, "What you don't know about us is that we are ride or die, and we oh, she's ride leaning for into that. Other. She's
1: like,
0: yeah. But yeah, then, yeah, of course, yeah.
2: we. I, I forgot. I, I interrupted you and didn't let you get. I'm sure yeah. to the part where she does does this whole thing about how she was like ride or die for Jen, and she made sacrifices for Jen, and she did this for Jen and that for Jen. She she. Concealed the fact that Jen gave her a black eye, and then everyone's like, <gasps> "Because oh, that was the big end yeah. of last season. Yeah. Was the, and
0: that was the worst? Kept seeing, like, who else could have hit you? No, either it whacked her head. It was so obvious. Her. Yeah, but but then, she wouldn't admit it. She wouldn't admit it. And you're like, I'll just say it. Like, see, but the thing is, and then when they cut back to the footage. You
2: see how guilty Jen was yes. like. <laughs> <laughs> I was on Twitter last night and someone po- or on, on on TikTok someone posted all of the scenes around the black eye of, of like Kendrick. a mega crush yes like, oh. and I was watching it like you look when you watch it and you Jen's just got a look yo-yo at Jen like <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Jen's like we don't know what happened right we, we don't know like it's just so obvious that it but was her they really like they did
0: really, and even Meredith went to went, had that scene I remember with Jen when she got convicted and stuff And yeah. like, but you see I don't know what Jen was like she she was always a, she was always in her was like I am so victimized and I'm the worst you know this yeah. is so bad for me and and you think maybe she was they were frightened of her yeah. like they, so you know again like an unhealthy dynamic and you think well let's just get her off to prison and we can just do these last few scenes And but you, I can understand that sometimes you yeah. are like and she yeah. obviously is a mastermind because she you know, yeah, organized master whole thing. Manipulator, yeah, and she was constantly crying to coach and I'm the poor me poor me and you're like you're ripping people off and you're still actively pursuing yeah. the victim narrative yeah. but good for you you know what I mean
2: so I don't know <sighs> so that was yeah but the black eye revelation oh my god it was just so thrilling like even Gordon was like, yeah, that was, was good. Like, yeah. I accept that was good. Yeah. Like, people have been saying to me, could I watch it on its own? And I'm like, yeah, you really could. You could. You really could. It's not
0: as... The flavor is not as intense no. and deep because you're not... In, you don't know these women. You haven't seen them churn butter. No. And I was like, yeah, mouth.
2: even if you could just watch the most recent series, because then you'd get <gasps> yeah, to know Monica. she's only new. Yeah, only she's you. only yeah. new. But, like, oh, it was so good. Yeah. It was so good. I want to listen to 100 podcasts about it. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about it endlessly for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Mm-hmm. It was such a thrill and once again I just am so <laughs> grateful to be a Housewives Han and vindicated for the
0: hundreds of yeah. of my life yeah I've and spent watching it. hundreds of euro on the subscription that I will never give up and I'm glad <laughs> yeah. you got some paid work from Heyu because you deserve it and you can also it's pretty cancelled each other out whatever fee you get it's pretty cancelled out because oh, you're paying, and I will never give it up I do pay for Hey you, by the way oh, yeah even though I I've done a tiny bit of work with like I said we were like little miners drilling for oil at the beginning just looking for yeah. links that would work exactly exactly grateful uh, for you know, it grateful for Sharna <laughs> and grateful <laughs> What I've just said that what is grateful for Sharna I can't Remember? From Who Weekly, it's um, oh yes, yeah, it's from Who Weekly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Megan Fox, for Sharn, it's yeah. Megan Fox's Brian Austin Green. Grateful for new her, one. yeah, grateful X's for Sharna. New, yeah. So, in conclusion that is has that made any sense to anybody I oh, hope so I have just loved it it's
2: been like a fever dream and I yeah. wouldn't change thing. and three, so we'll
0: have to choose three we choose, uh, one episode what will be the best one we have to know when she's going to reveal all her stuff it's
2: kind of hard to know yeah but it's we'll tricky, definitely talk about it again and right um, we might do a little special record just the two of us maybe for those who are interested yeah, yeah. Um, okay Esther and Mardoni, thank you so much where can people thank find you. you Esther two names
0: on Instagram and Reality Montees, number three just kidding <laughs> Uh, and there's a we have a winter selection box if you listen to the Carvery Roast uh, Ema Sunday Roast uh, podcast uh, podcast by Carvery's and Roast we did a little winter selection box and you can still subscribe an Apple podcast if you want or Patreon I
2: love it but just subscribe
0: for one month because after that it's gone like it's just a little box set
2: okay so there you go fab thank yeah. you so much Now, it is nearly time for me to say farewell, but would you believe I have some recommendations? Yes, that's right. I actually managed to consume some culture over the break. Um, I actually consumed, like, I think a lot of culture, and I consumed a lot of good stuff. So first, I watched How to Have Sex. If you didn't hear about this film, it is a kind of indie film. It's available on Mubi. If you're familiar with Mubi, Mubi.com, you can sign up to it. It's like a, a streaming service for independent films. This is a an award-winning film. It won prizes at Cannes. It is from the British filmmaker Molly Manning Walker, who is just absolutely brilliant, and it is so like excruciatingly accurate in terms of its depiction of female friendship and early sexual experiences for lots and lots and lots of women the performance by Mia McKenna Bruce who's the star of the film is incredible I was kind of squirming watching it at times because it was so accurate in the joys of being a young woman like exploring the world for the first time and also some of the traumas of being a young woman exploring the world for the first time it's basically about three girls who go on holidays um, as teenagers, and and what happens, and I really loved it. Um, if you're interested in that kind of thing, I would say it definitely content warning for sexual assault. Um, and if you find reconnecting to your own teenage experience is difficult, it might not be for you. But if you like that kind of thing, or you get something out of that kind of thing, how to have sex? It's on Mubi. M U B I. Highly recommend. I watched Saltburn. as I know many people did Um, hopefully not with your family over the course of the Christmas I loved it I absolutely loved it it's streaming on Amazon Prime if you haven't seen it yet it is I think it's brilliant it's Emerald Fennell's film starring Barry Keown and Jacob Elordi and it is set in the world of very posh English people and that is what I loved about it I mean first of all it's beautiful like it looks stunning Um, but I just loved these I mean, I want to say caricatures, but who knows? I've never been around very, very posh British people. So maybe it's not caricature. Maybe it's actually completely accurate. But I loved being in the world of these super, super rich and incredibly rude and cutting Brits. Richard E. Grant is brilliant in it. Rosamund Pike and uh, Kerry Mulligan are just outstanding. Uh, Rosamund Pike plays this lady, whoever, I can't even think of her name in the film. She's super posh. Everything she says sounds like she's being lovely, but it's actually deeply cutting. Uh, Carrie Mulligan plays this kind of somewhat tragic, posh woman who is struggling with her life. And just again, everything that comes out of her mouth is so funny. I loved it. Every critique I've read, it, read of it, I kind of have felt like you're looking for too much from this film. You're asking it to be something that it's not. In terms of entertainment, it's wild. As you've probably heard, there are some very... Some people would say dark graphic scenes and um, some things that, you know, some people would deem unsavory. None of that really bothered me, to be honest. I just thought it was brilliant. I also watched Priscilla. That's a film about Priscilla Presley. I give that about a six and a half out of 10 in terms of plot and stuff. I, you know, I felt like it was a bit slow and I didn't love it. I thought, but I thought the performances were brilliant. And I thought that this costumes and the makeup are just spectacular. And for me, often that's enough to get me <laughs> to really enjoy something. You're in the world of the 60s and 70s. And it's just gorgeous. Like, oh, I, I mean, Sofia Coppola's films are always beautiful. And so I love them for that reason. This one could have done with a bit of work, I think, on the script. But in terms of visually, it is is—it is gorgeous. And I want to go and copy Priscilla Presley's eyeliner for the rest of my life. I also watched, in terms of TV, Colin from Accounts, which is a short comedy would we call it a sitcom? It is on the Orti player. It's actually an Australian TV show and it is highly entertaining and very easily digestible. I feel like I might have, if I recommended this before Christmas, I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but I didn't want to not say it to you. It is so much fun. It's about two kind of relatively single people who are brought together by a car accident and an injured dog and, you know, romance ensues. It is genuinely funny. It is so... Like, as I say, easy to watch because the episodes aren't long. There's not that many of them. And they are all there on the Orti player for you. And finally, I finally watched the Squid Game Netflix program. Not the drama, the Squid Game, real game. Squid Game. Squid Game The Challenge, excuse me, is what it's called. Where real people do games from the original drama series. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. Like, I I didn't expect to enjoy it. We started watching it because the lads were kind of enjoying it. And then... As we kept going, we found the lads were less into it and we were more into it, so we kept watching. Um, I found it very entertaining, I have to say. If you like those kind of challenging shows, it's a bit cringy. There's a lot of American kind of bravado in there, but I would say it's, you know, it's good fun if you like a reality show, if you like a challenge show. That is there on Netflix. And those are my recommendations. Haven't done a lot of reading. Looking forward to getting back into that now uh, when the kids are back in school next week. Anywho, if you have made it this far, frankly, you deserve a medal. Uh, I hope you are doing well. Um, I hope you're feeling okay. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And I thank you so, so much for spending time with me this year, 2024. We've got lots to look forward to. And if you're feeling a bit rough, that's okay. You know, as I always say, not every week, not every month, not every year can be good and but you have to keep going because if there's one thing I know in this life it's that these things will pass thank you so much to ACAST for having me on the network thank you to all of my wonderful contributors as I say if you're not feeling good that's okay let's just put one foot in front of the other and we will be back again next week